Section three of the Mabinocion, Volume One, translated by Lady Charlotte Guest. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Giessen. Section three. Linet set out under the pretence of going to Arthur's court but she went back to the chamber where she had left owain and she tarried there with him as long as it might have taken her to have travelled to the court of king arthur and at the end of that time she apparelled herself and went to visit the countess and the countess was much rejoiced when she saw her and inquired what news she brought from the court i bring thee the best of news said linet for i have compassed the object of my mission when wilt thou that i should present to thee the chieftain who has come with me hither bring him to visit me to-morrow at midday said the countess and i will cause the town to be assembled by that time and linet returned home and the next day at noon owain arrayed himself in a coat and a surcoat and a mantle of yellow satin upon which was a broad band of gold lace and on his feet were high shoes of variegated leather which were fastened by golden clasps in the form of lions and they proceeded to the chamber of the countess right glad was the countess of their coming and she gazed steadfastly upon owain and said linet this knight has not the look of a traveller what harm is there in that lady said linet i am certain said the countess that no other man than this chased the soul from the body of my lord so much the better for thee lady said linet for had he not been stronger than thy lord he could not have deprived him of life there is no remedy for that which is past be it as it may go back to thine abode said the countess and i will take counsel the next day the countess caused all her subjects to assemble and showed them that her earldom was left defenceless and that it could not be protected but with horse and arms and military skill therefore said she this is what i offer for your choice either let one of you take me or give your consent for me to take a husband from elsewhere to defend my dominions so they came to the determination that it was better that she should have permission to marry someone from elsewhere and thereupon she sent for the bishops and archbishops to celebrate her nuptials with owain and the men of the earldom did owain homage 
and owain defended the fountain with lance and sword and this is the manner in which he defended it whensoever a knight came there he overthrew him and sold him for his full worth and what he thus gained he divided among his barons and his knights and no man in the whole world could be more beloved than he was by his subjects and it was thus for the space of three years it befell that as gwalchmai went forth one day with king arthur he perceived him to be very sad and sorrowful and gwalchmai was much grieved to see arthur in this state and he questioned him saying o oh, my lord what has befallen thee in sooth gwalchmai said arthur i am grieved concerning owain whom i have lost these three years and i shall certainly die if the fourth year passes without my seeing him now i am sure that it is through the tale which cunnon the son of clutno related that i have lost owain there is no need for thee said gwalchmai to summon to arms thy whole dominions on that account for thou thyself and the men of thy household will be able to avenge owain if he be slain or to set him free if he be in prison and if alive to bring him back with thee and it was settled according to what gwalchmai had said then arthur and the men of his household prepared to go and seek owain and their number was three thousand beside their attendants and cunnon the son of clydno acted as their guide and arthur came to the castle where cunnon had been before and when he came there the youths were shooting in the same place and the yellow man was standing hard by when the yellow man saw arthur he greeted him and invited him to the castle and arthur accepted his invitation and they entered the castle together and great as was the number of his retinue their presence was scarcely observed in the castle so vast was its extent and the maidens rose up to wait on them and the service of the maidens appeared to them all to excel any attendance they had ever met with and even the pages who had charge of the horses were no worse served that night than arthur himself would have been in his own palace the next morning arthur set out thence with cunnon for his guide and came to the place where the black man was and the stature of the black man was more surprising to arthur than it had been represented to him and they came to the top of the wooded steep and traversed the valley 
till they reached the green tree where they saw the fountain and the bowl and the slab and upon that kai came to arthur and spoke to him my lord said he i know the meaning of all this and my request is that thou wilt permit me to throw the water on the slab and to receive the first advantage that may befall and arthur gave him leave then kai threw a bowlful of water upon the slab and immediately there came the thunder and after the thunder the shower and such a thunderstorm they had never known before and many of the attendants who were in arthur's train were killed by the shower after the shower had ceased the sky became clear and on looking at the tree they beheld it completely leafless then the birds descended upon the tree and the song of the birds was far sweeter than any strain they had ever heard before then they beheld a knight on a coal-black horse clothed in black satin coming rapidly towards them and kai met him and encountered him and it was not long before kai was overthrown and the knight withdrew and arthur and his host encamped for the night and when they arose in the morning they perceived the signal of combat upon the lance of the knight and kai came to arthur and spoke to him my lord said he though i was overthrown yesterday if it seem good to thee i would gladly meet the knight again to-day thou mayst do so said arthur and kai went towards the knight and on the spot he overthrew kai and struck him with the head of his lance in the forehead so that it broke his helmet and the headpiece and pierced the skin and the flesh the breadth of the spearhead even to the bone and kai returned to his companions after this all the household of arthur went forth one after the other to combat the knight until there was not one that was not overthrown by him except arthur and gwalchmai and arthur armed himself to encounter the knight o oh, my lord said gwalchmai permit me to fight with him first and arthur permitted him and he went forth to meet the knight having over himself and his horse a satin robe of honour which had been sent him by the daughter of the earl of hangyu and in this dress he was not known by any of the host and they charged each other and fought all that day until the evening and neither of them was able to unhorse the other 
the next day they fought with strong lances and neither of them could obtain the mastery and the third day they fought with exceeding strong lances and they were increased with rage and fought furiously even until noon and they gave each other such a shock that the girths of their horses were broken so that they fell over their horses cruppers to the ground and they rose up speedily and drew their swords and resumed the combat and the multitude that witnessed the encounter felt assured that they had never before seen two men so valiant or so powerful and had it been midnight it would have been light from the fire that flashed from their weapons and the knight gave gwalchmai a blow that turned his helmet from off his face so that the knight knew that it was gwalchmai then owain said my lord gwalchmai i did not know thee for my cousin owing to the robe of honour that enveloped thee take my sword and my arms said gwalchmai thou owain art the victor take thou my sword and with that arthur saw that they were conversing and advanced towards them my lord arthur said gwalchmai here is owain who has vanquished me and will not take my arms my lord said owain it is he that has vanquished me and he will not take my sword give me your swords said arthur and then neither of you has vanquished the other then owain put his arms around arthur's neck and they embraced and all the host hurried forward to see owain and to embrace him and there was nigh being a loss of life so great was the press and they retired that night and the next day arthur prepared to depart my lord said owain this is not well of thee for i have been absent from thee these three years and during all that time up to this very day i have been preparing a banquet for thee knowing that thou wouldest come to seek me tarry with me therefore until thou and thy attendants have recovered the fatigues of the journey and have been anointed and they all proceeded to the castle of the countess of the fountain and the banquet which had been three years preparing was consumed in three months never had they a more delicious or agreeable banquet and arthur prepared to depart then he sent an embassy to the countess to beseech her to permit owain to go with him for the space of three months that he might show him to the nobles and the fair dames of the island of britain and the countess gave her consent 
although it was very painful to her so owain came with arthur to the island of britain and when he was once more amongst his kindred and friends he remained three years instead of three months with them end of section three recording by martin geeson in hazelmere surrey